Okay, everybody. Hi, we are back. We are here to record episode 17 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast here in Evan's living room, kind of dining room. It's area. the office. It's an office. Sometimes called the solarium. It's a very nice office slash solarium. <laughs> it feel, makes me feel like we're in Clue. <laughs> With the mic in the solarium. <laughs> they recorded the podcast and killed Miss Scarlet. She had to go. My name is Jake. I am here with Evan. Hi, I'm Evan. And we are the duo that forms the Handsome Hockey Podcast here in Portland, Oregon. And we're going to dive in. It's been a weird week. It's been a strange week for hockey. <laughs> or maybe, and maybe for us and just, in, yeah. Maybe, maybe the weird isn't the correct term. Maybe the correct term is misogynistic. <laughs> uh, maybe the- Unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, that's there we go. We're going to go with it's been an unfortunate week in hockey. Yeah, so we'll start with the uh, the bad news of the NHL first. Uh, COVID has made many waiver claims this week. Most recently, Alex Petrangelo, and that's going to send Vegas San Jose to the uh, back burner. They're going to post uh, postpone their two games later this week. We got some really bad news about Marco Rossi, who is somebody we talked about way back when we did a draft preview. We were really excited about in the room here. Uh, he's Wild's top draft pick and a very exciting player, but he's returned home to Austria after contracting COVID and uh, had some complications. And it's been announced that he's not going to play this season. So uh, we wish him the best for safe healing and getting back on the ice in the future. There's already a pretty long list of devils that have been out and that added to it. Kyle Palmieri this week. And then the Blackhawks canceled the practice and added two other players to join their stars in the COVID list to bring it and Boquist. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're seeing, we're starting to see the first wave of players hit by COVID or being on the COVID list come back into games. Right. So we had a number of players from Carolina. We also have Dallas who had obviously like over a dozen players. I think it was 17 players on the COVID list. They are all back in action. And then obviously the Russian contingent from Washington has started to come back into the league since we last spoke with Ovi coming back and I think having a goal and assist in his first game back. At the same time, so we are seeing players come back. Some are in Marco Rossi's boat where they're it's going to take them a while to get back the conditioning the just the general health that is required to really play in the NHL we saw Darren Helm in Detroit come off the COVID list and then miss another week trying to get his conditioning back up because he missed most of camp as well Mm. so and he played his first game yesterday we're going to see a continued absence for players even after they're done on that COVID list, the ones that actually contracted it and had ailments because of it, that two weeks or whatever that you have to stay away from the game is going to linger for days, weeks, months afterwards. Right. It's, as we know, a deadly debilitating virus and you lose the conditioning that you need to play at an NHL level. Right. If you get it bad, you can't exactly keep your you know VO2 max up. Yeah, it's hard to keep your sea legs when you're stuck in a hotel <laughs> room in nashville for two weeks with covid though we can move on to some not so terrible things yeah it has there's been some good hockey played some amazing goals and a lot of firsts yeah we had ovechkin Sidney crosby and Connor mcdavid all score overtime game-winning goals in the same night earlier this week we had zidane chara get his first goal as a cap he was then caught by the bench and they surrounded him and mass to celebrate him which was a really touching movement yeah i'm glad you pointed this out the interesting fact is that in this dog pile you can't see zidane ochara which is the <laughs> first time you've never been able to see zidane ochara in a crowd but also it's because he's next to the bench so some of the guys have like a couple of extra inches of height on him <laughs> a couple of inches of extra height still doesn't get you to zidane ochara's level well if you're a professional athlete also some maybe maybe <laughs> but so he he scores his first goal it was a i think it was a power play goal but just kind of awesome to see the overwhelming support that the caps are giving their new player chara all reports came that he wanted to stay in boston but washington gave him the opportunity to continue playing hockey in the nhl mm-hmm. he's playing really well still for 
being 43 years old. It, well, he's playing very well regardless, but also that he's 43. Like All those old guys are really making it work. And I don't know if it's coaching decisions or all of them, but... I keep going back to the well and saying... They're a geriatric team. They're going to fall apart. But in a 56-game season... They just keep winning games. Right, yeah. (laughs) Our prognostications about how age impacts this season, I think, have kind of been turned on their head a little bit. I think it prioritizes like experience sometimes and how you can recover after a game and how you can you know be smart with your energy. Like maybe that's what's prioritized in this short season. Who knows? But yeah, we'll maybe see them fall off at some point but it doesn't it doesn't look like it right now what else happened this week uh lafreniere scored his first nhl goal you know it i know he was kind of struggling a little bit so but everybody in the room said you know this kid's doing saying all the right things it was only a matter of time and it's nice that he got such an impactful goal to kind of shut both his hecklers and just like worried fans up if you're worried or if you're calling a player a bust after four games in the nhl you're a dick (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, bust i heard a couple people that you know said it that probably shouldn't have but i think it's more just concerned and looking for output for your own purposes because you know he's obviously playing in the system pretty well already and looking like a productive nhler but yeah the getting the points takes the heat off for sure well and i think players like mcdavid crosby ovechkin Guys who came into the league and were stars from day one have kind of skewed the idea of what it takes to become a productive NHL player at such a young age. And so we see guys like Capo Caco, Jack Hughes, Alexis Lafreniere, guys who were drafted very high, not make that immediate impact. Mm-hmm. Even if Genny Svechnikov had an okay first season in the league, like it showed promise, but it wasn't a world beater. And then seasons two and three, you've been like, ah, there's the guy. <laughs> so well, I also think that speaks to just what McDavid and Ovechkin were from the get go. Yeah. I mean, they were just, they were generational speed talents and, and also had the finishing ability. And maybe a Jack Hughes is more of a comp of what a early first round draft pick, you know, is more likely to develop like you know he's really taken a step in his second year but the first year was you know he showed flashes but was altogether a little middling he's also 19 playing a game amongst men who Mm -hmm. have concrete for bones (laughs) and sediment for skin and then you see jack hughes skating around as like a fresh-faced young guy or rasmus dalin and this is me in no way making fun of somebody for having acne but like rasmus dalin has acne oh yeah as somebody who very much suffered from acne in their teenage early 20s mm-hmm. like this is in no way me making fun of somebody for also doing that but like you see him and you're like oh yes he's also still very young right. you're a giant you're a child still you're yeah. a giant talented amazing child but you're still you 20 know. years old <laughs> yeah yeah so you like, can't even drink yet yeah America. exactly you live in buffalo a city made famous by drinking and you can't even partake yet That's i mean i'm warm. sure he's i'm sure rasmus Dahlin has somebody buying him some finish vodka or something i you know of course he has the ability to get booze if he wants to but like just the idea that he can't legally drink and we're like oh he's having a bad season he's a bust clearly no give some guys some time to get their sea legs like especially people coming over from europe who have to get used to an entirely different rink let alone an entirely different style of hockey yeah the nhl is by far the most physical hockey league in the world and you don't get used to that by playing in the Swedish junior leagues. <laughs> so one of the true highlights this week was Alexandre Texier with an absolute beauty of a goal, disrespecting Chris Dreiger, who has otherwise been very good. He goes forehand to backhand and single-handedly shovels the puck through a guy's legs. And he's just standing still like, you know, he just got looked at by a uh, supermodel. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, standing still like wow, a deer in wow. headlights. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. And he just like stares at the girl. And then at the same time, Alexander Texier just disrespects him. That's the first time we've seen that in the NHL. Yeah. That nah, specific move. It's kind of a play on something that Kucherov did a couple of years ago. And sort of the Forsberg, uh, but through the legs. And Datsyuk did it a number of times. Although mm-hmm. Datsyuk's was maybe even more disrespectful by 
instead of going five hole goes all the way around the other person's the goalie's body by putting it in well i know that is the the forsberg i will admit that i accidentally did this in a game oh it feels amazing when you do it <laughs> yeah i was like oh totally playing that sweet move huh and they're like how'd you do that i was like oh practice and skill guys <laughs> well because it is also like you can sort of do it by accident and it looks amazing you know you're just you pull back for a to tap the the puck in because it's like you've dropped it and it's laying behind the goalie or something. Um, it's also hard to name moves after Dak Tsuk because he had so fucking many. So, you know, I don't know, maybe he could have been better than that at Forsberg, but sorry. He you, was you, better than <laughs> Forsberg at most things. Right. It's like, well, sorry, only name one move after you. And yeah, it's, it's the, uh, it's the deke the goalie out of his shoes and then flip it over him slowly. That's the Datsuk. Unfortunately for Alexander Texier, his goal was almost immediately overshadowed by something that Connor McDavid did. Funny how that happens. Every week. Um, <laughs> so Connor McDavid, the next night, I believe, went coast to coast through Toronto's entire attempt at a penalty kill, deked everyone, and then scored a goal while being hooked to the ice and then got up and acted as if it was just old hat for him. <laughs> Because it's sort of it. Because it is. <laughs> the whole act as if you've been there before axiom worked pretty much every time Connor McDavid does something. He had that insane quick stop spinorama goal earlier in the week and immediately overshadowed himself in the next game he played. The guy's unreal. And it's kind of a shame that not that he's in Edmonton, but that Edmonton is bad while he's in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he sort of feels marooned in Edmonton, at least to the outsider. Yeah, well, I mean, we're getting a similar thing with Eichel and Buffalo where like a good player is stuck on a bad team. But as good as Jack Eichel is, he's not Connor McDavid. Mm -mm. There's a reason he was drafted behind Connor McDavid because he's not Connor McDavid. And so like, if Edmonton were good, awesome. That's great. Edmonton's a great hockey city. It's, you know, not a like fancy market or whatever you want to say about it. But if he's there and Edmonton is good... Who cares? Awesome. That's great. But he's there and Edmonton are bad mm-hmm. every year. Not bad enough. Right. But yeah. very bad. Not bad enough to then t- easily turn it around partially because of his presence. Yes. And it's not like they're paying him some untenable amount of money. They're paying him a lot and they're paying Leon Dreisaitl a lot. But it's not like $15 million a year in an $85 million cap situation like or $80 million cap situation. If quarterbacks in the NFL can get traded, mm-hmm. Connor McDavid's contract can get traded. Like mm, absolutely. So the real thing that I was thinking about with this is what are the comps? What are the comps? This is I was thinking if if Tom Brady had spent his entire career in Jacksonville and they sucked, or LeBron James being in New Orleans Pelican with zero playoff appearances. <laughs> but there is an actual comp: Mike Trout playing for the Anaheim Angels is i think or the los angeles angels of anaheim whatever the (laughs) hell their stupid name is you're not going to be the dodgers like just just be the anaheim angels it's fine uh that'd be like being in fort worth and calling yourself the, or actually it's like the arizona cardinals when they were the phoenix cardinals but they played in glendale So, but Mike Trout has made the playoffs once in his career. The last year was, uh, I think 2014 was the last time he made the playoffs and they were immediately swept out of the playoffs. He's considered a generational talent, a true five tool player in the major leagues, which is all about specialization. Like Mm -hmm. we have a great right fielder who can play really good defense, but it can only hit against left-handed pitching. So we only play him every four days or, you know, like in a league of specialization, Mike Trout can do everything and he's made the playoffs once in the last seven years. So I think that is kind of the greatest comp. I can think of another comp and I'm sorry if this is maybe a touchy subject, but uh, Barry Sanders, I think is a pretty, pretty good comp. Not he was not touchy at all, because I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about generational talent that is just sort of wasted. And yeah, McDavid, I feel like and maybe the league feels like this as well. But it it feels like the career of Connor McDavid at this point is being a little wasted up in Edmonton. Not again, not because of Edmonton being Edmonton, but (laughs) because I've never been to Edmonton. I want to mock it, but I don't really know. 
in other hockey news that is just speaking of conspiracy theories oh man that's a great segue this just makes me like it makes me chortle a bit we're gonna go with chortle that's as, a good yeah good there are, major pull there are a lot of great words out there for laughing guffawing also very nice but mm. this is a chortle it sounds like a pokemon character but it's more about giggling <laughs> tony d'angelo we'll just get into it tony d'angelo was waived this again. morning by the New York Rangers. Again. Not only was he waived, but they held him out of practice, which when you waive a player but they haven't been claimed, you don't have to do that. They're still technically on your team. Oh, okay. The Rangers were like, no, don't even practice. <laughs> don't come to work. Yeah. Uh, we're done. <laughs> so Get your box. Get your shit. Go home. In theory, he will either be like placed on their AHL or in their back in their taxi squad. Seems like a long shot at this point. I got to think that they're done with the whole Tony D on the taxi squad thing too, right? Right. I think they tried that. Yeah. Oh, they tried that. And then they brought him back up and he was equally terrible. Both off and on the ice. Yes. There are rumors aflutter around the internet that he and Alexander Georgiev Mm -hmm. had a a scuffle in the tunnel after the game last night. Yeah, after... after there was an obvious on-ice miscommunication that led to a goal. And yeah, the rumor that they got into it on the way off the rink to the locker room and may or may not have involved Chris Kreider stepping in. When Jack Johnson is preferred <laughs> to your services at this point in his career, you know that it's just not working out for you. Yeah, but he's got the banana pancakes working for him. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, that's what's keeping him on the roster, man. The the emergence of of Conrad Miller has really has really allowed the Rangers to basically toss Tony D'Angelo into the dustbin, which is six games into a two year four point eight million dollar per year contract extension that he just signed. You know what? I'm happy for his ability to make money in uncertain times, but I'm more happy that his times are more uncertain. He's gotten a lot of tries at this you know he was drafted in the first round by the lightning and then traded for a second round pick and already sort of had black marks in his record from the ohl and the ahl if i'm not mistaken and you know just there kind of some, like doesn't get some, along with teammates there were some incidents in mm-hmm. the uh, in the minors that gave him kind of a, a stigma coming up you know apparently he just didn't really ever learn or correct those problems and or just learn to shut up. <laughs> right, I feel like know, that's I feel like that's something we've said about Tony D'Angelo numerous times. Like if you're a decent enough athlete, people will forgive you for a lot of things, mm-hmm. but just shut up. <laughs> well, and also, you know, he's got a knock on not being very coachable. And I think that's yeah. got a big portion of this. You know, like we can talk about Tony D'Angelo in this context and like not even get into the politics because it's like it's very it's more basic than that. It's relating to your coworkers performing and relating to your supervisors at work before we've kind of talked about his political leanings and you know i'm sure that somewhat plays into his mindset but there are plenty of people that share his political leanings in the league that get along great with people that maybe have differing opinions than them still you know play defense and don't get into tips with their goalies in other hockey news about people who are no longer with their team jim rutherford the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins resigned for personal reasons this week and another absolutely bonkers hockey story coming out. Yeah. I mean, the timeline of this was just real fucking fast. Yeah. It went from zero to resigned in four seconds. It seems (laughs) like there weren't any internet rumors that I had seen. There was no, there were no rumored or reported shenanigans that had happened. It was just all of a sudden Jim Rutherford, maybe the most recognizable, not like from photos of him, but like just the name because of all the crazy trades and like the willingness to dive into Mm-hmm. insane areas that other gms are were not willing to dive into and just really going all out for some cup runs and getting a couple, getting cups. A couple yeah like yeah what, that'll three? make you that'll put your gm uh trophy up there in the hall of interesting gms but 
Yeah, there's a lot of rumors about GM activities that maybe led to his resignation. There's also rumors about COVID things. I guess he is some sort of a potential risk, potential high risk. And, and Well, he's older. Right. The big rumor was that he retired or he resigned because the Penguins ownership would not allow him to trade one of the stars, presumably uh, Chris Letang or Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, the rumor he, I heard was Letang. Yeah, but, well, he immediately came out and was like, that's not true. He was on the radio like a day later saying that's not true that had nothing to do with it this these reasons are totally personal he never dove into those personal reasons but yeah there was also another rumor i heard that came out after his refutation because part of what he said was he used the term star player i think he said like i wasn't trying to trade a star player or a star player was not part of you know prospective deal and then the penguins turned around and signed yannick weber to help their decimated decor and so another rumor came out that he was trying to trade a or that he actually had traded a lower level player for a defenseman and then that trade got nixed by his resignation or something like that and there was that there was rumors that he was in on jack roslovic there were rumors Mm. that he was in on vince dunn in st louis but Obviously, all that is is a moot point at this point. I always almost say mute point. <laughs> yeah, all that is a moot point now. We'll see if the interim GM can do something. And then I guess the final thing that we want to chat about. Speaking of can't blame someone for opting out. <laughs> yes, before we, before we get into the nitty gritty of this week's podcast is there's a little bit more of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Patrick Laine. I like that we pronounce... French Canadian names with that accent, but mm-hmm. not do we not know a Finnish accent? Is that like <laughs> not something we do? Like I'm not saying Patrick Line as if I were a Finn. Yeah, I, I guess we don't know it, and um, I, I don't. And I feel like it just sounds stupid. Like I like to speak in a French accent, basically whenever I get a chance. Yeah, whenever um, it's socially acceptable. So there was some more fallout from Patrick Line's time in Winnipeg. There was reports in a Finnish newspaper. That during Patrick Laine's time in Winnipeg, that both Blake Wheeler, the captain of the Winnipeg Jets, and Mark Shifley, one of their senior players, abused Patrick Laine in not like a physical abuse kind of way, but just kind of mistreated him. Maybe abuse is a bit strong of a word, but mistreated him basically from the beginning. Yeah, I would, again, wish I could be a fly on the wall just so I could judge like what is sort of, you know, new school work habits versus old school work habits and what is just jerks versus this kid they just don't play Fortnite. (laughs) yeah i'm super interested and super here for just like any story that comes out about this i think it's really interesting that it came out in a finnish newspaper like i'm sure that wasn't leaked to them i know i want to know like sources what (laughs) i'm imagining them doing like a dateline segment like a 2020 yeah <laughs> barbara walters finnish accomplice yeah our our investigative report into the winnipeg jets <laughs> also rumored was that head coach paul maurice maybe didn't condone but didn't do anything to stop this mistreatment of one of his star players and that the gm there also didn't do anything to kind of curb these sorts of this sort of behavior which is kind of the song that remains the same in any sort of hockey nefariousness generally there are perpetrators and there are bystanders and the bystanders either are knowing or they are turning a blind eye it's part of what is fundamentally challenging about hockey culture and rectifying both hockey culture and professional workplace if you are an NHL team. But you hope that both of these players land in a spot that's more conducive to their, you know, hopes and dreams. All right. So enough about the NHL. Let's talk about the real hockey that's going on right now. (laughs) We've got actual playoff hockey happening in the NWHL. We really don't want to talk about the scandal of the week. But as a podcast that is trying to create a more equitable and diverse hockey landscape we really need to yeah agreed but i think the precedent should be on the hockey because that is that's the real story and that's the real amazing story is you know how people are taking the nwhl and running with it it's never been this popular twitch seems to be really working yes Um, the chats are a lot of fun broadcasts are a lot of fun i've pointed out 
similar dad jokes per 60 to NHL broadcasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm really enjoying watching all of these games. There are a couple players and teams that seem to be taking my attention more than others. And yeah. The whale. <laughs> uh, yeah, whale are, whale are killing it. It's hard. Like, I didn't pick them as my... Uh, so you'd say they are killer whales. Ah! Dad jokes per nice. 60. I didn't pick them as my sort of fandom you did but it's hard not to root for them they're a lot of fun to watch the, oh, yeah. it's it's kind of like the scrappy plucky underdog gets a couple of star players and all of a sudden is really good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we talked a lot last week about the quality of hockey and it's really high mm-hmm. we're noticing as evan said a number of players who are really starting to stand out above the others for me emma vlasic for the whale has mm-hmm. just been a force she had a four assist game wow. a couple of days ago and you're watching really like at least for us we're watching stars blossom in front of our eyes because we haven't really admittedly haven't watched a lot of women's hockey in our in the past mm-hmm. so for us we're like really starting to key in on who are the best players who's separating themselves who's really making a move to be in our eyes like the players who were like oh man i gotta watch that game because emma vlasic is playing yeah i have picked out Teresa venisova from the crowd a couple times and just like oh my god she can absolutely fly and has amazing creativity and handles and finishing skill i just looked this up but she's uh university of maine's all-time leading scorer the like, black bears yeah I'm very unsurprised to learn that yeah. fact true story at my parents house i have a university of maine hockey jersey cool yeah. i mean it's it's a it's a beautiful yeah sweater. It, it, it is a beautiful sweater it, their branding is lovely well on point on the flip side of the awesomeness mm-hmm. is the riveters had to leave yeah it's a bummer that's a huge bummer for it does create some interesting things that are going on. The Riveters had one coach pulled off the bench during a game and then two players, I believe, pulled off the bench during a game during their last game because of rapid COVID tests. testing, COVID rapid testing. And so then they confirmed them and the Riveters, unfortunately, were sent packing. Well, I think they made the decision on their own as well. Like, I think that was a communal yeah. decision. And it's know, for the good of the league. It, it sucks. And the Riveters, to their credit, have taken it very well. Yeah, their social media presence has been hilarious. They they, they changed their Twitter feed to say rooting for every all of the teams except for Buffalo. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy just kind of the back and forth between them who are not in the bubble anymore and those who are still in the bubble. And it's it seems in good spirits and hearty joking, but it detracts from the league when you can't have all of the teams there. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, those are the times that we're in now is there's a pandemic. And if one team is afflicted, if you want to finish everything else, you have to remove that team. And so sadly, we have seen the Riveters be taken out of the tournament, out of the wobble. So the schedule was refreshed by the league. And I really give them credit for both doing that so quickly and also refreshing it with kind of a completely different setup that also seems pretty exciting. Yes, there is a three game series, two games of which have been completed so mm-hmm. thus far. We are going to go to game three between Boston Pride and the Buffalo Buttes. Sweet. Once the Riveters left, they were the fourth and fifth place teams. So instead of including them in a continued round robin, the decision was made to just have a play-in series. Mm -hmm. The other three teams, Toronto, Connecticut, and Minnesota, will continue to play round robin style to establish seeding. Boston and Buffalo will play for that fourth seed. The first game was a what some might say kind of shocking victory for Buffalo just based off of the reputation and the history that Boston has, but it was a shellacking. Yeah. Like Buffalo really put the wood to it. Is put the wood. Is that a PC term? I don't know. Really (laughs) made them look bad, made them look silly. I think it's, it's PC in that it it just describes casual violence and not sure. Yeah. yeah. I've always thought that that term means like getting beat by a two by four. Yeah. But (laughs) we're, we're also, we're fans of hockey, so we're okay with casual violence. And so, <laughs> Just beaten with a wood stick. Yes. Beaten with a, a Paul Coffey Sherwood. Yes. The first game was all Buffalo. The second game that ended just before we finished re- or started recording today was all Boston. The oh, yeah. exact opposite way is six to one shellacking in the early game today. So that series is going to go to game three, which is awesome. Yeah, more like, hockey. Yeah. Never bad. <laughs> Do or die hockey is amongst the best sporting event in the world. So we're we're thrilled to see it. We'll definitely be logging in tomorrow to check that out. Hashtag more hockey. As Evan alluded to earlier, the Twitch stream has been 
wildly successful. Mm-hmm. We saw more than 30,000 people watching last night. Uh, I don't have numbers for this morning's game, but they're doing incredibly well. As a resident old person, I <laughs> do not honestly have that much familiarity with Twitch, but it seems super accessible. Like I downloaded the app to my Fire TV, looked, searched for NWHL, and it took maybe 30 seconds to get the game. Yeah, so, I haven't even downloaded an app. I just pulled up the website and have been Chromecasting it or just watching on my phone in the shower with a beer, which is one of my favorite places to watch hockey. Um, and have a beer. Yeah, right. I would say it's been super successful. And it was something like the NWHL got up to like top 10 current feeds on Twitch, which is actually a big fucking deal. It's huge. Like yeah. People make millions of dollars casting on Twitch. Yeah. And so there's a huge audience there. And so for the NWHL to have that sort of cachet and to get into that top 10 is actually a really big deal and awesome for the women's game and really shows that they aren't really in need of financial backing from turds in order to survive. (laughs) Yeah. It's been kind of what we wanted it to be from that angle, a very wholesome experience. It's been a lot of fun. If you haven't yet, Please tune in, check it out, watch some watch some women's hockey. It's been a real blast, and just the community that is involved in it mm-hmm. is super tight knit. And to like immerse yourself in that community is you're just finding a base of people who are there to enjoy hockey as a sport. Dive in. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would maybe want to add to the platform for the next time this comes around is maybe like a a GoFundMe for a replay system. That's like the one thing they could use. There have been a couple goals where the referees have had to make very tough calls in very short amount of time, sometimes, you know, circling the wagons and talking about it like you would hope refs do, and sometimes just making a very quick, decisive call. And I don't think that I've seen anything that's been super divisively wrong yet, but I know there have been a couple times where you kind of wish they had replay. A next step that I think, you know, maybe they'll get that with the NBC games. That's also a and that's entirely possible. And I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. the semifinals and the finals of the NWHL will be broadcast on NBC. The semifinal games are going to be at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time and 8 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, February 4th. So this coming Thursday with the finals taking place on Friday, February 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m pacific time jump in and watch if you have nbc sports network jump in and watch it i guarantee the hockey will be fun to watch you might get some blowouts you might get some tight games guess what it's playoff hockey you should love it and you know what i'm actually planning on doing is when it's on nbc i'm gonna go down to my my corner pub they have outside seating because we can't eat or drink inside right now so it's all outside but they turn their tvs outside so i'm just gonna get them put on women's hockey (laughs) <laughs> and all passersby, you'll be like, women's hockey's on, stop, buy a beer. Yeah, right. Like, you know, pour one out for the lavender neutral zone. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was blue. And then someone said like, oh, no, it's actually lavender. And it's like, oh, that is a lavender. That's a very specific color. Mm-hmm. So with all the good vibes. Yeah, there have been some bad vibes. There have been some bad vibes. Barstool sports. Yeah. Exists. Unfortunately, the barstool sports crowd invaded the NWHL wobble. In not a good way. In not a good way. You know, we would have hoped that they would have aligned themselves with the Wubble and really worked to make it popularized. And I think that was the intent of their CEO, Erica Nardini, when she had several players on her podcast. And they also went on on Spit and Chicklets. They went on promoting league action in a non-contesting way. You know, they, they were just talking about the hockey they were going to play. And then uh, what happened is several NWHL reporters who have been with the league, growing the league for a very long time, took issue with Barstool's history of, you know, not so subtle uh, misogyny and racism that they haven't really ever substantially apologized for or corrected. And they kind of took issue with their attempted association with the NWHL, and there was some sort of supposition that Eric Nardini maybe wanted to own a team. And, you know, it kind of quickly became obvious that this wasn't actually going to be a tenable relationship for her and the league, um, even though she claims to have women's interests at heart. Just for the sake of recapping, Mm -hmm. we'll kind of give 
a brief rundown of events to the best of our ability to piece things together from various media posts and various responses on Twitter and various. And really trying to be fair. We have our opinions and bias and they have their, but what happened happened. And, and I, we should talk about it in, you know, the, I think the, the best reporter terms that we can. So if it had stayed there, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. But what happened next is is uh, Eric Nardini put out and company put out a, basically an attack video um, featuring direct Twitter quotes, some of which were taken out of context, some of which were actually blatantly edited of these various NWHL writers and fans and players, usually including their Twitter handles. And, you know, a lot of what these players and fans and reporters had to say was the NWHL doesn't need Barstool. You know, it wasn't like, they're the worst. It wasn't like these people are Nazis, blah, blah, blah. Like it it wasn't very deep. It was mostly just, Hey, you know, we're not really aligned with the culture that this site is kind of based on and promotes, you know, this isn't going to be a sustainable situation together. And, and they, and the barstool people and Erica took massive offense to that. The statements were that the community that the NWHL, its sponsors, its writers, its players, its staff are trying to build doesn't mesh with the community that Barstool has built over the last 15 to 20 years or so right? following sports. And I won't even pretend to, to not laugh at some Barstool content. They are also just media people. Barstool is a huge organization. They sponsor a ton of popular podcasts. Like you can't really be in the podcasting world and not have heard or have heard of one of their properties. But they're also owned by a gambling company and have been the beneficiaries of lots of venture capital. So, you know, there is a kind of obvious economic punching down that's occurring that kind of instantly, I don't know, sets them up as as kind of a big bad guy. And I, I I feel bad for some of the people that have been involved in this, like like Paul Bissonnette, because I think he genuinely does actually care about hockey and hockey players. But, you know, he's got a paycheck. At a certain point, you have to understand who that paycheck's coming from. Exactly. And when that paycheck comes from a company that has a very extensive history of misogyny, racism, homophobia, anti-Semitism, you really, you say you sympathize with some of these. Like I personally don't. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not saying that there aren't well-intentioned people who are employed by Barstool Sports and its sub entities. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, like you You are, you are complicit in that continued culture by continuing to accept a paycheck from that person. Cause unless you are actively going out and saying, this is not okay. This is how I'm going to combat it from within. Mm -hmm. You are complicit. If it was just, you know, the casual jokes or the, you know, kind of unrepentant broiness, like that's maybe something that we could look past, but what we can't look past is the harassment. And that's really what Barstool is known for is for taking heat to everybody that has the gall to even talk about them in a like middlingly mild critical light like barstool attacked the san francisco chronicle for calling them controversial like they they have doxxed people they have harassed people including myself in you know hilariously anemic ways that only motivate us to then put this content out there as being an alternative so what happened next was what everyone predicted is that the barstool fans started harassing the reporters that were listed by name in this video and you know several very hardworking reporters have had death threats uh threats of violence threats of slander that is essentially just it's the predictable barstool playbook and like a lot of things, and I'm not going to label Barstool a cult. Like it's not. Like oh, I, it's, I don't think that's actually yeah, that inaccurate yeah. in that all the leader has to do is point at someone 
And that's what it takes to sick the dogs. Fine, they're a cult. So you, it's a playbook that is also widespread in other circles. Oh, like, yeah. It's a greater reflection of the toxic qualities that still pervade hockey culture. And exactly what the NWHL is for reforming. And this is a natural flashpoint in a larger philosophical argument. That's part of what's so interesting about it. When you look at the response from Barstool and their employees, you also get the sense that it's the, this is really just about making money. Mm-hmm. They immediately put out merch yeah. related to... Well, first got offended. Yes. Then put out merch. Which is lapped up by their, their the stoolies, as they call them, which <laughs> is... Could a better word be? No, not at all. <laughs> They then floated the idea of creating a barstool women's hockey league, put out merch. It immediately gets lapped up by their people. Mm -hmm. But really what this does, and I think you you talked about this really well, is it creates divisiveness Mm -hmm. for a league that is trying really hard to not have that be present in in their game, in their community. It also puts people who are traditionally marginalized into further marginalized positions exactly you get soroya tinker who is one of the few black players in the nwhl who herself said we don't need any sort of ties to barstool sports for good reason immediately put on blast by Mm -hmm. dave portnoy who who said that she should be in jail for what she said he obviously apparently doesn't understand slander (laughs) (laughs) Um, or laws. So she immediately was, you know, lambasted by the, the, their cronies, their acolytes. Right. She, uh, Yale grad. Yes. (laughs) A, a Yale grad who is trying to do work to create more space, a more inclusive space within hockey for black people, a sport that is traditionally very white and has traditionally been very demonstrative towards people of color if you listen to the stories of black NHLers and and Soraya Tinker herself, it was tough mm, mm-hmm. and continues to be tough being a black player in a white league. Right. And, it, you know, we won't get into the sort of whiteness conversation attached to this. Because, Not today. No. And also other people have gotten into it better. I kind of highlight Broadscast uh, as one media piece that has delved into this very well recently and that I've discovered through this kind of beef situation and like, thank God for it. It's really nice to find the people that think like you do in this space and want to unite with them and us and help create a little bit of a better uh, relationship with BIPOC people in hockey. So, so yeah, should we move on to what happened next? Yes. So yeah, the, the, there's the, uh, Nardini attack video and then several the league and several players uh, tinker among them sort of disavowed barstool. Um, and then, yeah, predictably barstool fans start harassing NWHL reporters and then barstool pronounces they're starting their own league. Bissonette came out and put out sort of a milk toast video in support of Nardini, his CEO, which is pretty predictable, but he kind of, you got a sense that he just didn't want to be in the middle of this. And then uh, Portnoy has put out several other videos in which, you know, he really leans into trying to whip up Barstool fans into A, starting this alternate league and B, harassing and taking down the NWHL, which is it's big, part for the course. Right. And they're, they're big people punching down at small people yes. that dared to criticize them in a way that most serious journalists would agree is pretty fair well portnoy in met on many circumstances has said you don't cancel me i cancel you Mm -hmm. and to a large extent he's right he has the financial backing and the fan support to do this Mm -hmm. and so seeing these reporters who are you know reporting on twitter who have like 600 followers and then you see barstool sports which has millions of followers it puts these people at an immediate disadvantage. Right. These people that you were 
portending to build up for, uh, you know, yes. prior. Then all of a sudden, they took some limited issue with your associating with them, and all of a sudden, they're persona non grata. We're going to start our own thing. We're going to take our, you know, money and influence and fuck you. We're going home, and like yeah. that's par for the course with yeah. them. But but we're the victims here. Yeah yeah, and there was also like this kind of holier than thou like dave portnoy is the only person who can save women's hockey from itself yet he literally said i don't care about women's hockey and nobody cares about women's hockey yeah on his videos yeah but we're the victims Mm -hmm. but we're the victims. yes our million like almost billion dollar sports empire are the victims against this this nwhl that is merely doing everything it can to create a safe space for women in that sport. One of the fun things that came out of all of this is almost immediately after Barstool Sports said that the NWHL can't survive without their money, mm-hmm. the NWHL got their largest sponsor ever <laughs> in Discover. Discover. So clearly the NWHL doesn't need Barstool Sports help. It doesn't need Eric and Nardini's help. And most of what started it was people just kind of saying that. Yes. And, and I'm getting offended. Yeah, like, but it's it's false flag offense. Like, it's, right? Exactly. It's it's pearl clutching. Yes, it's white people being offended that anybody had the wherewithal to say no to them. Right. It's it's entitled people being shocked. Yes. We kind of want to close this segment by saying this should have never have happened. No, it's all very stupid. It's all very unnecessary pearl clutching i think is a really good way to go about it we're not the nwhl isn't participating in cancel culture they're They're, presenting an alternative they're trying to develop a community that is feels like home Mm -hmm. to them and in a lot of ways you know barstool has done that same thing for bored white men (laughs) and who don't have anything better to do and a sort of certain type of woman when Part of how you claim that you're not a misogynistic company is you talk about the three women that you, a white male, hired to be (laughs) underneath you. Well, they're technically above or at level, but... Right. But he hired them. And that's the point he makes in the first like two minutes of his first video is he hired women to be in part of his company that he started. He's Iran. Prime Min- he's Ayatollah Khomeini. Ooh, there's a prime minister. Oh. <laughs> I guess what we're trying to say is we as a podcast and we as people support what the NWHL is doing. Wholeheartedly. We believe that hockey is better when it is for when it is truly for everyone. Mm-hmm. And when I say truly for everyone, I have an asterisk next to that because it shouldn't be for bigots. It shouldn't be for racists. It shouldn't be for homophobes. It shouldn't be for anti-Semites or their sympathizers. It should be a sport for everybody who wants to come in it to build a community that in that includes healthy dialogue, that includes feeling comfortable. There have been a lot of tongue-in-cheek comments and rumors that there have been locker room issues in the nhl between trumpers and QAnoners and Mm -hmm. people who just aren't part of that people who are still conservative but aren't part of that (laughs) side of conservatism and one assumes that has to be going on in the nwhl on some level as well well in every sport i would guess and so like it's it's not just the nwhl that's dealing with this it's all sports, mm-hmm. but we love hockey and we want to see a more inclusive and welcoming community. One that diversifies as, as it goes and creating a safe space for women in that sport, which has traditionally been dominated by men is part of that. Creating a safe spe- space for people of color in that sport that has traditionally been dominated by white people is part of that. And we are in solidarity with the NWHL in hoping that they are able to continue to create an environment where all of their players feel welcome and supported and continue to thrive. The NWHL, when we sort of bought into it, 
we weren't just buying into women's hockey and women playing hockey. We're buying into this vision that they have for the league. And it's not unlike the vision that I have for, you know, any beer league I play in is that there's a place for everybody. Of course, there's always going to be social tiffs and struggles off the rink because we are human beings with feelings, but nobody has to go out of their way to traumatize or make somebody feel less than. And that seems to be core to Barstool's kind of culture and branding and what their fans subscribe to them for. And so it's obvious that this was always going to come to a head at some point. And we are at that point. And where we go from here is yet to be seen, but also, you know, very interesting. And I hope we can be a part of still building this community. I ponied up for a, uh, a story of Tinker shirt jersey. Too bad it couldn't make it here by today, but I'm pretty stoked to get it. And if you choose to make the same decision, they are splitting proceeds from uh, merch half and half with the players that they're associated with. So I would highly suggest picking one of these up. Yeah. And the Riveters logo is pretty sweet. So the t-shirt's going to look awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the Riveters jerseys were like some of the coolest there. And so it was a huge loss just to aesthetically (laughs) when they stepped out. I'm a big Jersey nerd. Oh, same here. I want all my sports teams to look amazing. And so a great Jersey means a lot to me. And the Riveters, the Riveters had some of the best in the league. And it's awesome to know that they share revenue in that way. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there, if you're listening, pick up a pick up a random NWHL players T-shirt, pick up a jersey, pick up a hat, yeah, pick up a beanie, whatever it is that you would rep. Like, let's show some solidarity with these women and make sure that they are getting the financial backing that they need in order to continue playing this sport. Yeah, the shirts end up being like thirty bucks with shipping. Cool. Let's send our money their way all right so as always thank you so much for listening to supporting downloading anything to do with our podcast liking us on instagram or following us on twitter whatever you're doing out there sending us love mail or hate mail yeah anything you want to do we're super thrilled to just be a part of this hockey community and we're trying to kind of grow a community of our own and so thank you for listening we are kind of keeping track of where people are listening and get excited and squeal a little bit every time a new city (laughs) pops up on our on our our map of listeners so it's awesome to see people in places throughout there we got a listener in the dominican republic we are international now i would like yeah shout out to whoever listened in the dominican republic if you listen to us in the dominican republic please reach out to us we would love to hear from you yeah just like who where what we're so curious and love this idea yes and so so you can follow us on social media. We are at handsomehockey.com is the website. Our Instagram is just handsome hockey podcast at handsome hockey on Twitter, or you can email us at handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We would love to. We're doing our best to have a relatively funny Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. I think you're doing great. Presence. So come for the chuckles, like us on places, find us on places, talk to us. Just just get in touch with us. We would love to hear from our listeners, especially the ones that we don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, as a new creative endeavor, we thrive on any feedback we get. Yeah. So please reach out to us. And thank you, as always, for listening and your support. We are very much appreciative. And stay handsome. Yeah. Stay handsome, everybody. <laughs>